So I was in the car yesterday with a friend, and I was talking about the biggest problem in my life, which is that I got level drained the other day <laughs> in our D&D game, and I'm still <laughs> extremely upset about it. This, but, was, this happened two weeks ago. Yeah, and it's going to take me like 13 weeks to get all those points back. I'm no. like a little baby dwarf It'll now. take you maybe like three weeks to okay, get them but, back. Okay, so what happened, folks, is... A, a nasty little guy jumped out of a coffin and attacked me. It was a white. And out of nowhere, suddenly I lose like a bazillion experience points. Yeah. And now, naturally and correctly, I'm upset about this. But I was talking to, I was, I was you know, I was consulting on the matter. And I wonder, I wonder if there's not a spell or something that can undo this. You know, I was, I was in some very elaborate... Uh, discussions yesterday about what sort of materials we would need to make some sort of stupid elixir that gets me my points back. Our magic user I, is not good enough for that. Okay, well, they need to get better because I'm missing my points. <laughs> and I am actively upset about this still to this day. Yeah, um, that's what you get. That's what I get. Well, that's what I get. That's not what I get. I, I am being... not done. I said that's what you get for jumping into the deep end, swimming with the big boys. Like we are playing like OG style D and D. Yeah, but what was I supposed to do? Not there like the no... fifth level where it's impossible to die. You weren't supposed to do anything. You're supposed to lose a I'm level. I'm supposed to just, you know, talk shit and get hit. Yeah, you're saying. Yeah, but well, we rolled port like it was. It was a. It oh, was a I matter. Poorly. It was a matter of luck because what happened for those of you in the know is that oh our <laughs> our um, one of two of our party could turn undead. One of them had to work, so wasn't there, and the other one um, rolled poorly and was frightened away. So she ran away, and then then the bad guys got a hit in before we also ran away. So that's what happened. It was a bummer. They just baby's first up level drain. My experience points. Baby's first level drain. Uh, I'm so mad at all of you. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just in a, I'll be like washing the dishes in my house, just like I hate that I got level drain. Well, it's just like making me angry. Thinking this is about it. perfect because it lines yeah. us up yeah. really well for what we're talking for a about different today. Sort of level drain. Yeah. Layoffs. Um. No. It, <laughs> no. 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 Um. But we are talking about today, and actually this is probably a good spot where I should say welcome to this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane. With me as always, um, angry as she needs to be, angry as I am about the general goings-on, Laura Zatz. Say hello, Laura. Hello, Laura. We're talking about layoffs today. Uh, we're layoffs talking and about imprint closures. Whatever they want to call it, right? The reshufflings, the consolidations, the restructurings, the whatever it is that corporate on high wants to call it when people that we know and like and do a good job lose their jobs. Um, it makes us angry. That is basically our premise today uh, before we really get into it and how it affects our lives and their lives and everyone else, you know, as we're, it just feels like every single day we click open the publishing news and there's some new catastrophe like that. Um, before we get into that, 
basic rundown, please. Yes. We had to do a little bit of our Patreon offerings on hold for July because we moved offices, a.k.a. Eric moved house. Yeah. <laughs> um, and well, it was a lot. We're going to get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we're doing in August, August 2023, we're each going to have two um, office hours, which if you don't know about office hours, this is something that is available to anybody. So publishing professionals, writers, etc. It is just like an hour to log on and ask questions and get our opinions about something. They can be broad questions. They can be super, super specific questions. Um, and they've been really fun and they've gone over really well and they are available to everybody. And we later you know record them and put them up on patreon but um anybody can come and you should come because they're a good time yeah uh we will also be having the double query show in first pages so now is a fabulous time to send us yeah. your query or your first page to critique we're at printroompodcast at gmail.com. And finally, um, because we are going to be recording a whole hell of a lot, because I don't know if you know this, but there's news happening all the time. God. Uh, <laughs> if you have anything you want us to do, like, a little bit more of a deep dive on in terms of, like, craft or publishing or something of the sort, um, then send it to us. We can record a mini episode. We can do a deep dive. Like, we are creating content here for you. So, again, we are at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Let's jump in. Let's jump in. Um, so, you just put together a list. We we were... Do you have it up right yes, now? Yes, I have it up. Yeah. So, so, why don't you give me... We Basically, what I asked Laura idly this morning as we were getting ready to prepare um is just give me the most recent give me the set that feels just fresh let alone all of the um you know layoffs or all the you know basically job losses in publishing that have happened this year i didn't even ask for that i was asking for just like recently give me who's been hit recently and the list is pretty horribly robust. Yeah. What do, you, what do we got? So in the last three months, just in the United States, because there's yeah. been a whole oh, yeah. no, separate can... set of layoffs in the UK, yeah. um, we've had three imprints fold. Mm-hmm. Harper Design, uh, which has done like sort of illustrated picture heavy yeah. books. Yeah. Razorbill, um, very good YA yes. imprint originally Penguin, now from Penguin Random House. And then also Inkyard, which was formerly Harlequin Teen, yeah. um, all were folded. And there you go. Um, in addition to that, there have been layoffs. There was mass waves of layoffs at Penguin Random House, uh-huh. including sort of like retiring yes. slash laying off people yeah. over 40. Yep. Um, and then... There were huge amounts, waves of layoffs at Abrams. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was in the past three months. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I'm sure we're missing someone. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, this was a very fast little lookup we did. And it's just... Oh, and uh, HarperCollins also laid off Union Steward Steph from, uh, that the union is fighting as a wrongfully ter- oh, wrongful termination. Oh, yeah. we're not ignoring that, by the way. <laughs> it is pretty clear, at least from some of the Harper news, that the people who are getting the axe are, 
I'm sure it's totally coincidental that these are people who had a heavy hand in the union organizing and the you know the effort to get a better deal for entry level employees and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm sure that is total coincidence that management was not thinking about at all when they made these uh, choices. And I'm sure that the case now that's happening won't bring up anything. Um, but man, you know we're going to talk today about how this kind of how this stuff affects our jobs how it um you know what this constant reshuffling means for how you and i approach like author strategy and submissions and all these sorts of things but man i just want to start somewhere much more like base and much more like primitive and just say like this shit sucks man like i'm just so sick of opening publishing news and seeing what's going on in the industry and hearing from, you know, friends and colleagues and people I really respect or, you know, people, sometimes it's even, you know, editors or whoever um, that that I've just met. And it just feels like the news is always bad right now. And it just makes me crazy because we pair it with what we know about people who come to work in publishing, which is that they really care. Like, these are all people who showed up to do their job because they are really interested in the work. I mean, if they were out there trying to just, you know, collect a paycheck or something, you know, in a more transactional, less passionate way, they would, frankly, they would do something else because publishing is not a very well-paying field. You know, like these are people who are here doing this because it matters to them. And just this constant stream of, oh, you know, this big faceless entity has decided that, you know, this imprint that people poured themselves into is gone now. You know, and especially I'm thinking about like Inkyard and Razorbill, like, you know, all of these places. But like, you know, the, those spots mattered, you know, like yeah. they, especially to you, you know, I mean, those are categories I know that, you know, really affected your work and, you know, writers you work with and all this kind of stuff. And I just, I want us to get to a point, man, where. Every time we ask, hey, what's going on in the industry, the answer is something other than, oh, it sucks and it's dying, because that just feels like so uncritical to me most of the time. Like, I feel like since we have started this podcast, 20, what was like 2016? Yeah, something like that. Like, the stock answer from anyone trying to sound hip and cool is, oh, publishing is dying. It's on its way out. You know, traditional publishing sucks. It's, you know... Everything about it is, you know, poor business, you know, all this stuff is going wrong. And obviously you and I have been fairly critical of the publishing industry for many years in different specific (laughs) ways. I mean, that's not it's not like we don't share versions of that sentiment, but it's always just felt too broad and uncritical to me to say and too glib to say things like that and not really... um, and it doesn't really do right by, you know, the amount of people who give blood, sweat, and tears each day to try to make publishing good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there are so many good people in this industry. And it just feels like, man, they're just getting hit right now. And yeah. I hate it. I hate seeing it. I hate it for them. I wish, you know, I knew how to help in more ways than I know how. Like, it just really, like, if you're someone who's been, you know, laid off or restructured or whatever stupid shit, you know, your boss told you it was, like, I'm sorry, and you deserve better than that. And I hope yeah. that, you know, you find your feet onto you somewhere soon and, and all of that because it's – you've 
I don't care even who you are. I'm talking to you. Any anyone who this applies to, you've given more to this field than the field has given you back, and that is not fair. And it sucks. And we're with you. You know. And you know, Eric and I are are not just clueless idealists. Like I understand no, how the no. economy works. No. I have seen. So I came to publishing in 2011, and that was after. Three years after 2008, um, which was when we had just a huge widespread economic downturn across the entire economy where the landscape of publishing really changed and a lot of people were laid off for. I mean, it's still really shitty, but but for for reasons that felt a little more honest than they feel now. Yeah. And so like it's not that. You know, we're sitting here and being like, well, layoffs are never the answer and blah, blah, blah. Although I I don't think that Um, or I should say I I do think that because one thing uh, that is never a good idea to cut corners in in publishing is uh, your staff. Um, But we're sitting here after publishing had this huge boom in 2020 because people were stuck at home. Yeah. And there was huge sales volume but fewer books were published because the pandemic caused basically a season and a half to be eaten up and now we're three years out from that and all the ceos who have by the way hundreds of millions of dollars to like throw around trying to acquire other publishing companies are saying well you know our sales are down People aren't buying books so much anymore, judging from the numbers from like 2020 when there was like a 10 to 15 percent increase in various areas. But like it's just so insulting and and (laughs) just going, you know, how we can how we can really save money from a big sales dip from like, a you know, a 10 percent sales dip or whatever from 2020 is firing people who make forty five thousand dollars. It's so crazy to me. And it just makes me (laughs) it makes me nuts. You're totally right. And. And we're losing, I mean, and the people that they're firing, they're they're forcibly retiring people in their 40s and 50s who have industry knowledge. Institutional knowledge, Institutional too, which knowledge. is always my biggest thing. Yeah. And they're piling on work for younger people and also, you know, laying them off in a way that will make it impossible for them to stay in the industry, particularly people of marginalized backgrounds. Yeah. And, it, and it feels... I want to say it feels different this time. And I've been I've been doing this job for quite a while now. And I sit here and I go, well, you know, if one imprint closes, you know, if a door closes, a window opens like there's going to be another imprint. There's going to be something who leaves somewhere and then found something cool elsewhere. And on some level, that's sort of true, kind of. Um, just feels so heartless, though. But one of the things I have been forced to confront quite a bit in the last several months in particular, as I have seen how the industry is choosing to recover from COVID, mm-hmm. is that none of this is temporary and it really, really is changing how I am having to think about my job. Yeah. In ways that I don't like. Yeah. I mean, so... I mean, we, you and I could sit here and grandstand forever, and <laughs> I would love to, and we will, you know, get into different bits of it. But let's let's get into that. Like, in terms of 
so you and I sit down each day with the goal of, you know, pitching books and advocating for our clients and helping the writers we work with interact with and do business with, Mm -hmm. you know, these publishers that we're watching do all of this, you know, reshuffling and, you know, whatever it is you want to call it. But, like, for me, the thing that it always comes down to first and foremost when I think about this stuff is just, like, consistency and institutional knowledge. Mm. Um, You know, like you mentioned, you know, people – you know, who have been there a while being forced out, you know, at the sort of the top end of things or the middle management, you know, level of things like people who have given a lot of their professional years to certain places suddenly being asked to step down and get out of their roles. And like my job, at least specifically in the way that I pitch, relies extremely heavily on ongoing conversations that happen over years. Yeah. Right. Like, I sell books to editors, and this is something I've told you a million times, like, I don't sell books to strangers. I don't. It doesn't happen. Like, or it, it, it as in, in my process, it does not happen. Like, And I the s- types of books that you work I on. I sell books to editors that I have ongoing back and forths with, you know, relationships with, you know, an understanding of their taste. You know, maybe we've talked about three or four projects in the past. Maybe You've we've developed conferred. an idea together. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, all these different things, you know. I've developed a way of talking about books with this person and the sales that I have sort of are outpourings of that, those roots, right? And it just feels like all over the place, those roots are getting yanked up. You know what I mean? Like it's harder to, you know, pitch people when it feels like no one works where they used to work or 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 the Rolodex changes every single day. It's like, you know, if I look at an imprint, and the idea is to, okay, I want to pitch, I don't know, pull one out of a hat, St. Martin's, you know, whoever. Like, I don't want to just, like, find a name I don't know. I want to talk to the person I know. And, like, so often when that name is different, it's it's not that I don't want to meet that new person. Like, and I will, but that's square one, you know, and I'm sick of being sent back to square one. And I know that in their careers, too, like, editors, like, you have to relearn everything when you go somewhere new. I mean, obviously not like the core mechanics of the job, but like, what is this list going to look like? What am I looking for? All these things. Like, what books can I inquire that like, sell well? It just in feels this like area. everyone yeah. is in these roles so temporarily right now. Like, and there's no, like, the way you get ahead in publishing is by moving around. I don't know if that's something we've ever talked about, you know, on this show before, but like, the common strategy is you're never going to get promoted in-house. If you're good. If Yeah, like, because, you know, God forbid a publisher develop its own talent and keep you around. Um, you're going to find your next rung up somewhere else, and you're going to move laterally and up, right? Like, and you're going to bounce and bounce and bounce until you find the position that feels good enough to stick in for as long as they'll let you stick in it. Um, but it just, man, it just, it just makes conversations about books over time with people, which is what I think... Anyone in public, let alone our jobs, anyone in publishing would describe their jobs that way. Like sales reps, marketers, whoever it is, like they all would say the core mechanic of their job is talking in a professional and refined way about books to other people. And it just gets harder, man. It gets harder every single time this stuff happens. And it makes, you know, I find myself having to reintroduce, you know, myself to places 
that I've known for years, like, you know, lists that I probably know better than the new person who just showed up because I've been, you know, it's, I don't know, it's crazy, but I don't know. what. How are things feeling on your end? Well, so <clears throat> I have, I, I work in a lot of categories and genres that go through really boom or bust areas yeah, yeah. in a way that I would say you probably don't deal with as much. I agree. So, I agree with that. you know, like I've talked on here before about how I like finally sold a vampire book after 10 years yes. of waiting for vampires to yes. come back. So I, I am not unused to the idea of really, really strong market forces affecting changing your landscape, changing yeah. my landscape and what I'm yeah. able to sell. Um, and you know, that happens also on top of category. So like, uh, you know, a year or two ago, YA's fantasy in particular started to be really squished and YA contemporary was a little yes. bit squished before that in favor of middle grade. But then now what's happening with middle grade is middle grade is squished because Barnes and Noble isn't stocking debut middle grade novels. And so those are not selling as well. So it's like, I don't know when you're given middle grade and YA, like are, are all of the children's imprints only doing picture books right now is my question. Um, but so like I have had to have this thought in this conversation with myself about the, makeup of my list yes. because it does not yeah. help my clients if I have too many I don't want to say similar in terms of content because it's so much bigger than that but like if I am trying to sell three YA fantasies in one season like there are only so many editors yep. I can go to yep. and there are only so many imprints I can go to and at that point it is like if, if somebody has three emails if the same editor has three emails from me in you know the span of one month with three different books the chances of one of those books being acquired is lower because I am diluting yeah. that that relationship that you were talking about yeah also right? that editor probably has way too much work to do like there's exactly. stuff happening on their end too that makes you don't want to send that many because yeah. they're already inundated you know right and so like i i am fairly used to that and you know i opened back up to queries in like march i think mm -hmm. and i really made a point of saying you know i am actively trying to flush out my adult list because you know i i love ya and i want to keep working in it but I I am afraid that, you know, with these closings and with the layoffs and, and with Barnes & Noble pulling their bullshit, like yeah. all of that is making me less confident that my taste and my skills can weather the market forces in a way that I have never felt before. Yeah, I mean, it's it is on a very... Um, like the true image of unsettling, right? It's yeah. like the landscape beneath your feet is no longer settled. I mean, it's and I'm used to it moving, which is yeah, so but frustrating. It's moving in a different way right now, and like I would say, you know, the first way to make sure that your reads and your skills and your taste and stuff doesn't slip is by being afraid that it will. You know what I mean? Like I feel like <laughs> the people who are actually in danger of what you're describing are the ones who don't think it. Like. You know, having that sort of self-criticism and self-reflection is the recipe for staying on top of it in the way that I know that you will because you're very good at this. But like, but that is that uncertainty does cause yeah. another problem, which is that I am 
having to be, how do I say, like ruthless about my list in a way that I never really wanted to be. So let, let me let me explain a little bit further. I have always approached agenting with the idea that it is more important to get the right books into the world that will help a kid or, you know, help somebody discover the joy of art again or, you know, like make somebody feel seen like that to me has always been more important than making money. Yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. I love making money. <laughs> and but yeah. but in that way it supports, you know, headwaters and in my in yeah. my previous yeah. idea of we're we're signing authors yeah. more than we're signing books. Yeah. So we're building larger careers rather than, you know, trying to get one big flash in the pan. Right. 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 Um at this point, I am now adding an element into that, which is how responsible is it for me to sign more of those sort of good artistic works that I think deserve to be seen and be in the world versus my ability to sell them? And it's not even like you categorize that as your ability, right? Mm-hmm. But it's actually not on you. Like no. it's not a function of your work, it's a function of. What can be sold? Like, I mean, because you mentioned, you know, the idea of having, you know, several, maybe several books at once that maybe fit under the same shelf or category or whatever you want to think about it. And, you know, if the slots shrink, I mean, the thing that happens with these restructurings is like the number of people you can reliably pitch for different stuff, it goes down, right? And so then you run into a bigger risk of doing what you just described, which is like having to, you know, send to one specific editor more, you know, more than you'd like to in a way that, like, I mean, because, you know, so much of what I think we both do and really lies at the heart of pitching is an editor is part of our job is making an editor feel like we are sending something just for them specific and, um, considered and you know really worked on and thought through you know specifically for them you know and the opposite of that is you know a big spam push you know and which we don't do if you ever feel like your agent is doing <laughs> that you should find a different agent um, but like it just gets harder to like even across like different types of projects, like I'll leave editors I really really like off certain pitch lists because like oh I just sent them something else. You need to wait. Like, yeah. I want them, you know. I have a new they need color to miss code. Me for a second, you know. I have I mean? a new like, color code it, in my Excel spreadsheet, which is wait. You want to pit? You know, you want to. Yeah. I didn't used to have to do that. I didn't used to have to wait like that. You want to offer food to hungry people. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you want it to be, and it's just that kind of stuff just gets harder. And I just think too, like what you just said, like. The ruthlessness with which we have to look at our own lists yeah. and say, well, what kind of projects are viable or how does it work? I mean, and it's just here's here's where the danger of that comes in, too. And like there's sort of a personal danger. And then there's there's a danger in in, in absolutely doing the opposite of what you've originally intended to do. And the, and the danger personally is that I lose sight of my brand and and end up unintentionally reprioritizing away from from that like Mm -hmm. artistic goal Mm -hmm. 
the the but the real 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 danger in this is that if we are having to look at really squished markets not just because of market saturation and the number of books out there and the way that readers are reacting but market saturation in terms of just the number of bodies and yeah. the eyeballs that can yeah. read a book and acquire a book yeah. um and you know how overworked and how stressed mm-hmm. they are you really really run the risk of creating an environment in your own list but also in the the books that you're selling and and the lists that are being published of that kind of thing that we are have been fighting against forever which is like well i'm not gonna acquire this like black ya fantasy because i already have one of those like it becomes it becomes every book becomes more tokenized yeah and every author you know like i've been seeing this stuff on you know social media about oh no like you have to be on TikTok to get a book deal and you have to be hot and blah, 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 which is not yeah. true unless yeah. we're in a moment like this when like it's really, really, really hard to get a leg up. And it's like sometimes like being a blonde white woman, unfortunately, if there are fewer people and, and less freedom in the lists and fewer places to go and more and more books being sent to each person. Well, we just know that's that what happens. We just know that. As this stuff shrinks, the reduction of slots is not going to be evenly dispersed, no. right? Like it's going to be, you know, all the usual biases and things are going to come in, and so it and they're does, going to be worse. Yeah, and it does. So it does come in, you know. And obviously, there are lots and lots of great editors. I think right now, pushing against that, and you know, really taking a lot of care with that sort of stuff. I think you and I take a lot of care with that sort of stuff. Agents, I think, by and large, are doing what they can to think about their lists in that way but it just gets it gets so hard to feel like you can do right by every book you see that you want to work on you know what I mean especially when you think that there's not actually like a market shortage there's not actually a big sales like like people haven't stopped reading this is all fake well isn't that interesting because I feel like the other thing that happens um, when I open publishing news is, one, layoffs. Yeah. Two, whoever had another perfectly fine quarter, another perfectly good year, sales are steady, all these different things. And you're right that there's a dip now in relation to, like, 2020 and all this sort of of stuff. But, like, there's – these layoffs are not happening because these companies are doing poorly. Super doing, they're doing poorly. They're just reprioritizing what they want. And the thing they are very blatantly not prioritizing is just their own staff and talent. You know what I mean? Which just seems so. Forget the human side of it. Obviously, I have said before that I think, like, I feel for every single individual who's been, you know, sent packing in this because you made a lot of sacrifices and made a lot of choices to kind of get into that slot and to be treated like that really sucks and I feel for you but on their end it just feels like extremely stupid business to me (laughs) like how can it be the right thing like which industries thrive when they just totally forego uh, developing talent yeah. and like and I understand that what they think is that there's always you know there's such a surplus of people who want to work in publishing you know but 
you're when we we say this every single time one of these places shutters whether it's an imprint or a magazine or anything else it's like you are losing something that cannot just be reshuffled and replaced very easily you know like institutional consistency and people who have bought into what you're trying to do and like the vision you have for an imprint like that stuff gets built over time like i can think of some instances over the last year where you know i'll pitch an editor and they'll come back and tell me hey this isn't quite right for us because currently our imprint is looking for x y and z you know we're looking you know the 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 binary on my you know end of things is always like literary versus you know like prescriptive or you know whatever however you want to describe it and like oh we're looking for more literary things right now you know let me know and then i'll come back with you know six months later with something that is more literary and i've thought of them because that's what it is and of course the editor i was talking to now works somewhere else you know because that job sucked and they had to get <laughs> like I usually still know them they're just somewhere else now you know yeah. and they're like wow that place really sucks to work um and new editor x is telling me actually we're looking we're not really doing literary things right now we're doing something totally you know opposite of what was you were told you know very recently and that isn't that person's fault to be the new no. person's fault to be clear but the point is like there's just no consistency of vision across this stuff it's like it feels like these imprints sometimes have no idea what they're looking for and it's because they the churn of people the overturn it, it's just so how could how could you have consistency when the same people aren't allowed to talk to each other for more than a year at a time you know what i mean like it's we're and that just, makes it difficult for an imprint to be recognized by a consumer, exactly, exactly. which might lead to the downturn, the slight percentage downturn of the sales in the market. You know, isn't that, that actually? Let's, let's talk about that for one second, because and this is a whole other episode, but I want to spend a minute on it. How many other industries just have absolutely as little like brand recognition? as publishing does like people are not looking at imprints like readers when they go to the store i don't think they i don't think most publisher like if you are someone who does not work in publishing do you know off the top of your head who published your favorite book the book you're reading right now like the one you're thinking about buying the author you're excited about their next one who publishes it my guess is in a lot of those instances, you don't know. And there's just no brand recognition. Like, I feel like people, you know, in the world don't ha- – they don't have a super, like, developed sense of what a Knopf yeah. book is versus an FSG book. And, like, it's – and I just think, like, people might, like you're saying, if these places were allowed to really develop tastes over time and actually shape themselves and form an identity. And then that could be a selling tool. You know what I mean? Like brand recognition. I'm not, again, yeah. like, I We hate, are the place that discovers the yeah. best new voices I in hate, XYZ. And, like, sometimes you and I, like, in the industry, like, you and me can have, we understand the landscape on those terms in some way, but that isn't moving units on their end. Like, no. that's helping us, but it's a inter, it's an internal thing, not a, this is how we sell books to people, which I just feel like what an amazing thing to just be leaving on the table. Like, I don't know. You're just. When I was a kid, I paid attention to imprints. When I was sure. just a reader, before working in publishing yeah. had even entered my thoughts. And one of the things that really, like, <laughs> hurts is 
Razorbill was one of those yeah. when I no, was a I teenager. And the thing about Razorbill that was also like really exciting from a publishing standpoint is that they did sort of white label IP before. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, like, the books were literally made for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like, realizing and being in a work meeting uh, 20 years later and being told, no, that, like, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, like, that was that was IP. That was developed in-house, and we found an author for it. And it became this, like, series that was very important to you. Like, like that matters. And that sort of work that sort of internal development of an idea like requires that requires talent. It requires talent and it requires development of that. Like that's hard work. That's really difficult. Yeah. And it requires internal development of that talent and it requires consistency over time. It requires, you know, and you're just pulling out those roots again and again and again with these. And it just, it makes, it really puts into perspective why publishers are like, well, you know, we we can't make a hit, which yeah, like, like we have said for years, like that is bullshit. You know exactly bullshit. how to make a hit. But it's also but- <laughs> one of those things where, of course, you can't because you're doing all the wrong shit. Right. Like, and I just <laughs> it just makes me crazy. And like, on to, just to like go back to the the personal level of it. It's like I love this job because I love the back and forths I have with different people mm-hmm. like I that mostly includes my authors right like mm-hmm. I love you know the collaboration over time you know developing ideas you know learning about them and their lives and like how this work fits into all that like all of that stuff is really attractive to me but also I love talking about books in a sophisticated way to other people who have made this their life you know and so when I find out that, you know, the editor that I have been pitching at Place X, you know, gets moved around or something or, you know, has been told, you know, you're not doing that anymore. It's like, I don't want to talk to the new person, you know, like I just get tired. I'm old. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm not that old. But like, it's just like, man, I don't want to go to the bottom of the mountain again in like I really these relationships they energize me like they make this job fun for me like it's and I think it's the best it's when we are at our most effective like so much of you know the agent life is about keeping tabs on people and like you know when you see them you know acquire a really cool book that is not mine you know you send them a note say hey this looks awesome you know what I mean like so much of that stuff is so much harder to do and just feels much more it feels heartless you know what i mean it's like yeah. i we're just at, like i don't know we're it's, just like taking the humanity out of all this stuff and well, it just it's makes hard me crazy to, to agent and treat our jobs and to treat our authors careers the way that we want to when we want to help foster artistic expression and meaningful work yeah and the 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 market we're trying to sell it into is like mm, no thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um all of that being said, I I don't love the choices I'm having to make in yeah. my slush pile yeah. in terms of when I tell authors we're going to go out on submission, yeah. how I follow up with submissions, etc. But I 
am not like convinced that everything's dying and bad. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not convinced things are dying either. So how okay, so given all of this sort of unprecedented feelings of capitalism eating away at our way of life. Um, how are you adjusting to this in a way that allows you to maintain your goals and your and your practice, but account for this shift that is happening? I mean, I think for me, it always comes back to editorial stuff. Um, what do you mean by especially that? Especially because, you know, I typically sign projects at a much earlier stage than I think a lot of people imagine agents take things on. Like I am often in at a level where things are kernels and, you know, we can sort of shape them as they go. And I find myself offering editorial prescriptions and saying, hey, what if we angled the book in this way instead of this other way with an eye toward trying to like you described earlier how you are constantly thinking about, um, you know, the changing market and all these different mm -hmm. things, because I think in a lot of ways, your categories, you know, YA and, you know, a lot of genre fiction, they do feel very cutting edge in that way mm -hmm. where it's like this is where oftentimes it's where the money is, but it's also where things are changing the fastest. It's where publishing is really it's the most fluid part, you know, and I work on the more sedentary parts, you know, right, the literary fiction, the, you know, creative nonfiction, all that kind of stuff. But I am feeling lately like I have to do more of that anticipation of where there are actually slots and where there aren't you know what i mean you know like now I, that i think about it you and i have been having way more of those conversations yeah, i mean because like i have to like i find myself saying i love this but can we sell it a lot more about stuff and this is about stuff i've already signed to be clear like you know and f trying to find myself okay if i want to give this writer their best chance even though you know, they and I agree that we think this specific type of book might be awesome and we would both love to read it. What they really want is to be able to publish their book. And so that might mean we got to make some compromises editorially and like, here's how we can make this more sellable. You know, here's how we can do these things that maybe we wouldn't have had to do in a few, a few years ago. Here's how we can make this, you know, here's knowing which editors are where, how do we, um, how can we tweak, you know, yeah. according to that landscape? How and can I'm, we present the same information but yeah. put it in a two like, steps to the left sort of yeah, way? Yeah, exactly. And I'm sort yeah. of doing a lot more of that, I find. Um, I don't know. And, then, like, otherwise, it's just, you know, the legwork of staying on top of who's where and who's new just becomes all the more important, right? Yeah. Because it's – and it's frustrating because it's not that I don't love – like, I love meeting new editors. I mean, it's like, I feel like whenever, you know, you see on Twitter, like, oh, this new editor is in this new spot. I feel like there's always this, like, agent rush, you know what I mean? Because they all see the same thing, which is like, hey, this person new has opportunity. fresh eyes yeah. and is ready to kind of maybe look at some stuff. And that's really good. It's good for them. It's good for us. Like, everyone wants that, right? And I love those conversations. I just don't love them as much when... I'm having them in the context of, oh, the person who used to have your job I had known for however many years, you know. It's like I would like to talk to both of you in different <laughs> slots, you know what I mean? Like, and see how you guys are going to work yeah, together. It, I don't yeah. know, it's just tricky. But 
so a lot of that legwork comes up um and i don't know i just um you know i like to think it's just the idea of being very careful Mm -hmm. is where i keep coming back like i have you know signed a lot of things this year actually which is which is rare for me. I, you know, I keep a pretty, um, I think, small or very, you know, curated list a lot of the time. But, you know, I found a lot of stuff I liked, you know, these last few months. And yeah. was very excited to sign all of it and still am. But now I'm like, okay, let's make sure that all of this stuff, you know, gets where it needs to go before, you know, doing. And I think, by and large... I stand by my record on that, and I am, you know, and, and because I—that's all I have to trade on, right? Like when I talk to a new author, I have to be able to say, "I believe that I can. I believe I can sell this in the way that you want it sold, and I have hopefully a track record that you would trust in order to want me to do that, you know." And it's, but that I'm just—I want to really avoid you know, misfires that feel like, in terms of the landscape, feel more likely mm-hmm. right now. And they aren't happening yet because, again, I'm being like, I'm like this methodical little, you know, I don't even know what image I'm going for, but it's like I'm just so careful with some of this stuff. To my detriment, I think, a lot of the time. Like, I should probably, like, pull triggers faster. But, like, it's just the environment around us right now does not make me want to go faster on yeah. stuff. Like, it makes me want to really, like, Look at that thing a fourth time, you know, and be the, give it its best shot. Be the pain in the ass and do one more round on it and see what we can do with it because, you know, with fewer editors, you get one chance at that first impression, you know. Yeah. And, I, don't know. I have found that I've just been doing more of what I have been doing, yeah. which is really like settling into a client list that writes across genre or across category um really you guys do a lot of pivots yeah we pi- i mean and that's that's <laughs> kind of that's kind of the great. thing that you have to do yeah. i mean beyond the fact that i am known for and really love books that cross genres yeah. or feel yeah. really exciting and new using the the base of expectations or tropes in a certain genre like Beyond kind of from a from a taste and brand level, like having a list of authors who can write contemporary, but then also a mystery, but then also yeah. something that's a little more like literary, yeah. like those authors, I am going into the future feeling much more confident that we can deal with whatever bullshit publishing has decided is not making money yeah. um, and having having lots of options. So I am selling more on proposal than I ever have, which is great. Um, I am expanding into doing lots of IP work beyond just like novels. So a lot of like short story stuff, a lot of tie in stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of what I am acquiring and looking for in my inbox, like I did add like mystery and thriller and horror explicitly to mm-hmm. my remember. list rather than just sort of like obliquely acquiring those. Very exciting. Um, and, you know, like 
I I have found myself dipping out of trends a lot earlier than yeah. I used to. Yeah. Um. So one one thing that happened a few years ago after. It started with Song of Achilles, but really like Cersei. When mm-hmm. Cersei hit by Madeline Miller, mm-hmm. everybody had a Greek retelling. Yes. And it was a really there was a really, really wonderful book that I was reading that was in the YA space. So it wasn't like trying to like eat up mm-hmm. Madeline Miller's area. Mm-hmm. Um and it was really lovely and a bunch of agents had offered on it. And I remember thinking specifically like, it's over. this is a good book. I could sell this book. And the book indeed did sell pretty quickly. Yeah. But I, I I was sort of making the decision in that moment that I would rather work with authors on multiple books and have maybe, you know, like that vampire book in the in, in the, the trunk and that yeah. in the hopper and wait for it in terms of like my my comfort level with following or signing a trend even if it's like at the very very beginning of it mm-hmm. um i will probably just like step out of that so yeah. i you know have some what is perhaps considered like romanticy in my slush pile right now um romanticy, romanticy um That's a word i've never which heard <laughs> romance fantasy and there is a very real option that I might sign it, but it's got to have something else too, or the author needs to have a different book also, or like a pivot or something, because I, I don't want to put myself in a position where I get caught just like chasing the commodification of certain ideas in the way that publishing is trying to do right now, Yeah, which like, Perhaps is deeply, deeply frustrating to querying writers who are hearing that. Um, but it's a it's a way that I can stay true to the artistic vision of the individuals that I am working yeah. with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I it, there is not a perfect there is not a perfect answer <laughs> to any of this. No, I mean, you know what I've done? I have found that I am looking at more partials than I ever have. Hmm. Why's that? Because because I am this is a really good question. I haven't actually thought about it, but I, I think I am more interested in finding the magic of the book itself rather than if somebody has done 100% of the homework and knows exactly how to yeah. write the query and knows yep. how to like perfectly do a comp and is yep. like right in the market. Like I will now look at something if it seems vaguely interesting and appealing to my taste. Yeah. Because I think what I have found is I have been selling things a lot more based on like tone or theme or structure because the um the the content in and like especially in like fantasy and YA and all of that is so much more squished at an ed board yes. than like this yeah. is the take on this yeah. but it's done in a really exciting way so like we we've been seeing like novels in verse come back and that sort of thing um Man. novels in verse i know it's yeah. time <laughs> but but that's really like 
like maybe the answer is that I just like keep my head down and focus on like the art and the structure and all of that rather than the trends and and can I sell this and and what have you because I don't know maybe I'm just really contrary and if the world is telling me that it's super 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 hard to sell something and other people's interest is indicating that, like, they think that they can sell it because it's trendy. I'll, like, duck out and get, yeah. like, the weird book over there. Because you don't want to chase. Like, I hate chasing in this industry. You well, know? I'm, it, I never win. That's, that's the thing. The thing like, yeah. when I chase it, uh, we are not a big agency. Yeah. We, like, our our skill is in developing things, in well, coming in up with a pivot. And anticipating, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like... Our skill and our value is in the pivoting and the looking ahead and the planning five books down the road. Our skill is not in can I get you, you know, the hugest, flashiest deal on one book. And like those those are for other agents. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I it's it's hard and it's weird. And on some level, I look at it and I say, you know, I am I'm rebelling here. (laughs) And some I just like look at you know, another YA submission and I feel a little sad because it's going to be have to be that much better for me to really acquire it. Um, But I think that push and pull is something that I've been developing my whole life as an agent. It's just a little bit more at the forefront now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That (laughs) I'm so sorry if we bummed you out. (laughs) No, I mean, I would just say to end like solidarity with those who've been laid off solidarity with those who now have to like do two people's jobs instead of one because they're not going to hire someone. Let's be real. It's to, like three people's yeah, jobs, not like two. Every publishing worker deserves better. Um, and if we don't make it better for all of us, it's not going to get better for anyone. Um, but we're thinking about you. We're, you know, if there's ever ways that we can help send us an email, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Yeah. Remember, um, you know, if you want us to talk about anything or you want us to critique something, we're at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see you back here, hopefully the next time when something good happens. Yes. good. <laughs> we're doing a good news episode next week. Good news we're episode. We're committing right now. All right. Bye, bye. guys. Bye.